So now you're making a rapid sea change. You think about this. You, I know you talk a lot on this show about the economy. And then look mm-hmm. at how fast the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates and what kind of disruption that has caused in the banking system and the economy overall. All right, now apply that to the tax world. That's the kind of disruption we're talking about. It's going to be so fast and so hard that people are going to have a hard time adjusting to it. And the IRS auditors themselves are going to have a hard time adjusting to it, just like the bankers have had a hard time adjusting to it. But the, but the um, particularly the entrepreneurs, the investors, they're going to have a super hard time because they're going to find uh, again, I, I just think they're going to find that their CPAs don't have the information they thought they had. Um, they don't have the backup for what they prepared the tax return for, and they've never handled an audit before. So I think it's a massive sea change. I We haven't seen this in maybe 30 years, this kind of a sea change. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. For most people, tax season is behind us now. Phew. But that doesn't mean we can push taxes to the back burner until next year. Far from it. In fact, today's guest, Tom Wheelwright, CPA, entrepreneur, best-selling author, rich dad advisor, and international authority on tax, is here to remind us that right now is the time when your accountant can help you the most in terms of minimizing the taxes you'll need to pay in this current 2023 tax year. There are a number of potential steps you can take between now and the end of the year that can substantially reduce your tax footprint in the eyes of the IRS or whatever the tax authority is in your country of residence. But if you wait until the end of the year to start thinking about your 2023 tax planning, as most people will do, it will be too late. So what steps should we consider taking? Let's ask Tom. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. It's always great to be with you, Adam. Uh, same here, Tom. Really appreciate you joining us. I, like I said in the intro, I'm sure people are sick of having taxes on the mind because they just went through the pain of filing their 2022 taxes. But very importantly, as you say, this is not the time to take your foot off the accelerator. This is the time to lean in uh, to tax planning for 2023 because this is where we can make the most difference. Um, So real quick, I I got a bunch of questions to ask you about um, what specific steps folks should consider taking now to to reduce their tax footprint for the rest of the year. Really quickly, though, are there any changes here in 2023 to tax law or just the tax landscape that are new versus previous years? Yeah, I think the biggest one is the increase in the tax benefits for renewable energy investments. Um, most of the other, uh, there's that one. So that's the plus. The minus is the depreciation tax benefits for real estate have actually had a haircut. So rather than 100% bonus, we're to 80% bonus. But the opposite happened with renewables. Renewables went from a 26% tax credit to a 30% tax credit. So um, those are kind of the two big and they're kind of opposing forces, and they're the two big issues. Of course, the other big issue is uh, the IRS getting all this new money. Okay, um, why don't we start there? <laughs> so IRS got a bunch of new money. Why is that relevant? Well, so um, in the last 20 years, very few people have ever been audited. The audit rates have gone way down in the past 20 years. I would say most CPAs have never even handled an IRS audit. 
And so that's going to be a challenge. And, and here's the other thing. So when you have a potential of as many as 50 to 80,000 new auditors, really a doubling of the IRS audit force, that's what we're looking at. They're not going to be well-trained. These are people right out of school. These are people that don't have a lot of training. So how are they going to audit? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to come in with a checklist. Guarantee it. They're, they have a checklist to begin with, but they're, that's how they're going to do it. That's the only way they can do it. They're going to have a checklist. We're going to tick these things off, and it's going to start with your documentation. How well have you documented your deductions? Because remember, Adam, in... In the tax law, this is the one place in the U.S. where you're guilty until proven innocent because the general rule is not, no expenses are deductible. That's the general rule. You have to prove that you meet a specific deduction rule in the tax law, which means you have to prove that you have documentation. You have to prove, yes, it was a business expense. There was a reason for it that is a tax deductible reason. So that means that all the IRS has to do is say, all the auditor has to do is say, you don't have documentation, disallowed. But on top of that, they've been doing, they've been taking some positions recently where there are tax benefits in the law that are very clearly in the law. These are not loopholes. These are very clearly stated in the law. And the Irish just doesn't like them. And so what the administration has been doing with the through the IRS is they've actually instead of going to Congress to change the law, they've given the IRS the giant sledgehammer and saying, "Look, you're guilty. You're going to have to go to tax court to prove you're not." Well, here's the problem with that: it can cost one or two million dollars to go to tax court on some of these issues. So if you've got a fifty thousand dollar assessment or $100,000 assessment, what are you going to do? You're going to write a check. That's what you're going to do because that is the only possible solution because you have no other, the only other solution really is to go to court, hire an attorney and go to court. If that's the case, then what that means is, is that who's preparing your tax return, how you're documenting your tax return, um, making sure that you have somebody that's preparing your tax return who actually does know how to help, how to handle an IRS audit. The 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 importance of your tax return preparer is going to be way more important than it has in the past. Okay, um, so you're probably freaking a lot of people out right now. Good, because um, you probably got you know some small percentage of people that still do taxes themselves. Probably have a lot of people who are using TurboTax or HR Block or whatever the online uh, stuff is. Um, or they're going into an HR block office and just kind of getting the, you know, whoever's sitting there behind the desk, who knows their level of, of true experience. Um, so uh, what I hear you saying, and, 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 and we'll talk at the end of this conversation about the, the services that you and your firm specifically offer, but um, I guess what are the things that, let, let, let's say somebody falls in the category I just mentioned, which is probably a big percentage of people yeah. watching here. What would you encourage them to do differently um, in regards to their 2023 uh, taxes? Well, would it actually be start looking for a new one who's got some experience with audits? So the so first thing is, so if I would never be preparing, I would never suggest you prepare your own tax return unless all you've got is a W-2 and maybe a couple of 1099s, maybe a home mortgage deduction. But if you've got anything more like than that, you've got real real estate investments, you've got 
um, distributions coming out of your IRA or 401k. You've got um, a business of any kind, even a side hustle. Any of those, you really ought to be getting a CPA. Don't be doing this yourself. That's a fool's errand. Um, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> a doctor who's a, 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 a doctor who is um, a, his own patient is, you know, has got a fool for a doctor and a patient, right? So the same thing is true in the financial area, particularly the tax area. So um, if, if it's really simple, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, if everything that is on your tax return that the government gets anyway, and they're going to match it up, I wouldn't worry too much about it. But for the other 40% of you, okay, so that's probably 60%, but the other 40%, um, if your CPA, if you know, if you've been using the corner, <laughs> the corner tax return prep service, you might want to think about upgrading. Um, here's the sad thing, Adam. I actually know for a fact that many of the big CPA firms don't keep any records that their clients give them. They turn them all back. They don't make copies. They have no work papers. They have nothing to go on. So when that IRS auditor comes knocking, you've got to produce all that yourself. They're not keeping any of it. Um, and you've, you've really got to ask that question. I'm just shocked um, by how many of the big national CPA firms are not doing work papers, are not retaining uh, copies of client documentation. It is shocking to me. Wow. So first and foremost... I mean, you've said this when you've been in the program in the past, but but be your own archivist here, meaning like keep everything, <laughs> keep it all organized. Make sure you're if you're if you're making a deduction, make sure you've got all the paperwork to back that up. Couple couple questions based upon what you just said there, Tom. Um, I guess the first is let let's say the the turbo taxers out there. Um, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying mostly is is you know if you're if you're taking deductions um, beyond just the standard ones. Um, then, then you probably need to get a, a CPA, experienced CPA. If you've got any extraordinary income coming in, side gigs, uh, et cetera, um, you should probably have this too. So, for the folks that fall in that category, but have been using the Turbo taxes of the world, like, like what happens if you get audited and you've been using TurboTax? I'm not trying to call TurboTax or Intuit out no, specifically, it's, but it's, it's... but do they come in and help you, or do you have to go find a CPA to represent you? You know, you'd, you'd have, I mean, it depends on what service I think you have from them. I think, I think H&R Block and TurboTax both offer some of those services. I don't know. And I certainly don't know how qualified those people are, but um, I can't speak to that at all. Um, what, you know, what they do and what they don't do. Um, I would just say that if, if again, if, um, if you're really simple, go for it. I mean, the reality is uh, the, the, Government right now is looking at the possibility of building a free online service, which basically, frankly, they should have done years ago. Yeah. Okay. You, you shouldn't have to pay to do your tax return. That I mean, if, it, if it's a simple tax return, no other country requires that. We're the only one, and so it's a it's an odd situation that we've decided to actually require people to pay even for a software package. I mean, if it's thirty bucks. You, I mean, why why do you do that? You should be able to get that online. I, I happen to agree that the government should do that. I'm probably, I may be in the minority, but I think that's probably the right answer for a lot of people. Um, but if you've got anything complex, like you say, um, I would 
you know, just think about upgrading your team. That's all. Um, I do talk about, so in chapter 23 of my book, Tax-Free Wealth, behind me, um, I do talk about how to find a good tax advisor. So you're not on your own. You've got that chapter. You can actually go in and, and look for, okay, what, is, what does this mean? What are you looking for? Okay, great. Um, so folks, if you, and we've talked about Tom's excellent book on previous videos. If you don't already have it, go get it. And even just chapter seven alone is going to help you out there. Um, so you mentioned um, taking mandatory retirement disbursements as one of the things that could, you know, that, that's enough complexity to, to get an advisor involved. Just talk a little bit more about that for a second. What, why is that something that, well, that makes things a little more complicated? Well, re remember that um, in the SECURE Act, which was uh, just a couple of years ago, and then they up upgraded it to SECURE 2.0 just last December. Um, in that act, they changed the re minimum required distributions. And so they're big penalties if you don't do it right. Um, and that's why, that's why you ought to have an accountant, you know, helping you with it, in my opinion, just because you don't want to mess that up. Um, you want to make sure you're taking the right distributions. You don't want to be paying penalties. Worst thing in the world is to pay tax penalties because there's no value add to that. That's, right. just, um, that's just money you're throwing away. Um, there, there's, there's nothing good that comes out of that. So I, I would just suggest, um, you know, whenever there's numbers involved, probably good to have an accountant on your side. Okay. And this, um, you know, this, this dramatic increase in the number of IRS auditors that you referred to, um, and you said it's somewhere on the order of magnitude of 50 to 80,000. I seem to remember when the news came out originally, it was 87,000. I'm not sure why the number 87 was so specific, but, but anyways, well, they're, they're going to hire an awful lot. Um, do you see this? I mean, presumably that hiring has already started. Do you see this as like an army that appears overnight and this year is going to have potentially 80,000 more people? Or is this like a rising tide over the next decade where it'll be maybe 10,000 more and then 20 the next year and then 30 the next year? Yeah. So so remember, they get $80 billion over 10 years. Um, so it's phased in. Even the money is phased in. Okay. So you're going to have the auditors face in, plus they need training. It typically takes a minimum of a year or two before they can put them out there on the road. So it, I do think the 2022 and 2023 tax returns are going to be the first ones that are heavily audited. Uh, I, I don't, I think that they're going to be hard pressed to be auditing 20 and 21 tax returns um, to any serious degree beyond what they're currently auditing. They do have to ramp it up. They have to ramp up the number of hires, which is hard because they're restricted on how much they can pay somebody. And then they also are restricted by the training um, and the time it takes to train. Okay. Um, I've got so many questions still about the, these auditors, but uh, this video is supposed to be on tax planning. So we're going to get to that uh, in just a second. Um, real quick though, uh, just in terms of you've been in this industry for decades, right? Is this a sea change? In other words, is this? Oh, for sure. So, so in my career, which spans over four decades, um, to be clear, uh, uh, there have been a couple of major sea changes. Um, when I first came in the profession, the IRS was just nasty. It was awful. I remember my first IRS auditor, and he was one of the nastiest people I'd ever met. Um, then we had George H.W. Bush, and he called for a kinder, gentler IRS, and mm -hmm. we got it. I mean, that it was really shocking, but we actually got it. And um, and so while there were still the same number of audits, um, they were 
really looking at, okay, we're administering it. We're not going after taxpayers. Um, and then what we had was we had uh, the Republicans in Congress that said, we're going to just continue to deplete the funding of the IRS to the point where it has become a problem where, you know, you can be on hold for four hours and not get anybody. It's getting a little better, but it's still not uh, where it needs to be. So the customer service at the IRS never been stellar, but it's never been worse than it has been in the last three or four years. So now you're making a rapid sea change. You think about this. You, I know you talk a lot on this show about the economy and then look mm -hmm. at how fast the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates and what kind of disruption that has caused in the banking system and the economy overall. All right, now apply that to the tax world. That's the kind of disruption we're talking about. It's going to be so fast and so hard that people are going to have a hard time adjusting to it. And the IRS auditors themselves are going to have a hard time adjusting to it, just like the bankers have had a hard time adjusting to it. But the, but the um, particularly the entrepreneurs, the investors, they're going to have a super hard time because they're going to find uh, again, I, I just think they're going to find that their CPAs don't have the information they thought they had. Um, they don't have the backup for what they prepared the tax return for, and they've never handled an audit before. So I think it's a massive sea change. I, we haven't seen this in maybe 30 years, this kind of a sea change. Okay. All right. Um, well, thanks for putting that context in there. Uh, like I said, I've got a bunch of questions I'd still love to ask you. And folks watching, um, if you do as well, Tom, let me ask you, um, if, if folks are interested in another video with you at some point in the future, diving deep sort of into like an audit survival guide, like if you have an audit, this is what to expect. These are some of the things you want to do beforehand. These are one of the, some of the things you want to do when you get the notice that you're going to be audited, all that stuff. Would you be up for that? I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. All right, folks, if you're interested in that, let me know in the comment section below if there's enough interest. I'll reach out to Tom and see if we can kindly schedule another video on that topic out in the future. All right, so tax planning. So obviously one big reason to start tax planning now is to say, okay, great. How can I get uh, perhaps a more seasoned CPA in my team so that if I do fall victim to this increased audit risk, I've got a good guide for me. Okay, great, tick that box. What are some of the other things that people who wanna reduce their tax footprint this year, what could they be considering doing now to, uh, to benefit when tax time rolls around. Well, I, I and I so appreciate that. That is the best softball question I ever. <laughs> so I appreciate that, Adam. Um, so here's here's what most people fail to recognize: how much tax you pay depends largely on how on what you do with your money and how you earn your money. So in the first place, you have to look at how does my money come in. So for example, if your money comes in as an employee you're probably going to pay upwards of 40% if you're in a you know if you're making a good income. If you're making money self-employed, most self-employed people are going to pay higher. They might be in the 50 to 60% because they're paying the employer and the employee's share. Um, big businesses, we all know, pay a lot less tax. They're in that 20% range. But then if you're an investor and you actually strategize properly with your um uh, both your financial advisor and your tax advisor, then what happens, you can actually get all the way down to zero, which is what we saw in Trump's tax returns, right? So um, that's all that was. It was simply about how they made their money. But the second thing was, what do you do with your money? So rule number one is, if you save your money or spend your money, you get taxed on your money. 
If you save it, you spend it, you get taxed. If you invest it in the stock market through your, you find your 401k, your IRA, you're going to postpone that tax. You're going to get taxed, but not till later. Okay. But investing directly in the stock market, there's no tax benefit for investing directly in the stock market. There's no tax deduction for investing in the stock market. However, if you take that money and you look at, okay, how can I be most productive? And what are some of the things that the government, where, where does the government want me to put my money? Well, the government wants you to be producing, not consuming. Okay, we, we, you know, we always hear these, and I'm sure you've had interviews um, where you've talked about, well, you know, the economy, they're economists or politicians, especially that think the, the economy is driven by consumption. But it's not. It's driven by production. And, and, and wealth is driven by production. And what the government knows is, look, whether it's production through business, whether it's through production through technology, whether it's production through real estate, whether it's production through energy, agriculture, any of those things, those are true production. And if you're putting your money to those productive areas, the government shares the tax cost of the money that goes in. They share that they share the investment. Basically, you become an active investor instead of a silent, uh, an, an active partner instead of a silent partner. And so really what the reason why you want to you start planning now is, okay, so let's say you go, well, I'm going to wait until November because, you know, I just don't think there are any good real estate deals out there right now. It's hard to find them, granted. And so I'm just going to wait to even start looking until November. Well, you can't close on a real estate deal by the end of the year mm -hmm. that you find in November. It's not going to happen. So it's too late. Okay. Um, investing in energy. I will tell you, I started when I put, I put solar panels on and batteries on my commercial building this year. I started that literally a year ago and they just finished. So if you think you're going to be able to say, well, I'm going to do the clean energy thing in September, October, it's too late. They are too busy getting the panels, getting the batteries, getting the permits too hard. So it's just not going to happen. So it doesn't matter where you're putting your money. If you're putting it into productive assets, which is where all the tax benefits are, um, if you don't start by by the end of May, June, July, um, it's going to be tough, and you're going to have big tax tax bill. One of the biggest fallacies I ever hear out of my hair accountants say, "Well, we're going to do year end tax planning." I'm going what? So decide <laughs> whether I'm going to buy a car at the end of the year. I mean, seriously, that's the dumbest idea ever. And I will admit to having done year end tax planning before. We now do year round tax planning. We start in January, we finish in December. Um, at, at our at our firm. So we're a little different. Actually, we're quite a bit different from the rest of the world. But the reality is, is that if if the way to reduce your taxes is to build your wealth, okay, so that those those seem contrary, but they're exactly how it goes. The more wealth you build, the less tax you pay. All right, the more income you make, the more tax you pay, but the more wealth you build, true assets you build, the less tax you pay. So you got to be looking at how am I going to build those assets? So I'm having conversations right now with clients um, and we're talking about, we're actually scheduling out over the next five years, 
how much real estate they need to buy or how much energy they need they they need they need to invest in or you know how how are they going to let's say they're going to max out their pension plan how are they going to do that for the next 5 years we're not even looking just this year we're looking for the next 5 years because um like i said the depreciation that's dropping 20% a year that bonus depreciation drops 20% a year beginning in 2023 and continuing 2024, 25, 26, until it's gone in 27. So if that's going on, you'd better be really thinking long ways, long term. If you think short term, you think you can do it in a month or two, you're going to just end up paying a lot of tax. Okay. Uh, very important part. Um, gosh, there's so many questions about this particular topic, um, which is investing in productive assets. I don't think we could ever do it justice in just a couple of minutes here. Um, maybe this is another one of those things, Tom, we have you on at some point in the future, because I'm sure people are saying, all right, Tom, that sounds great. How do I find these things? How do I get involved? How do I know if there's a good one? How do I evaluate them? All that type of stuff. You're smiling as I'm saying this. So uh, I'll just toss it out there. If there's enough interest from the audience uh, in this, you're willing to come on at some point in the future for a topic on that too? Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a primer, by the way, the other book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy that's behind me, actually lists seven investments that the government will pay you to make. So um, that's a primer for it. So I would suggest before, I mean, you know, get the book, read the book. And then when we have a discussion, you'll, you'll be, be a little more on top of, you know, what it is that's available and why it's available. Great. And so, folks, um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to have Tom on to, to have the discussion about these productive assets. Given the, the list I'm building here, it's probably going to be a couple of months. So you got time to buy that book, read it. Tom, I take it the book and you can just get it at Amazon or your Amazon, local Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Okay, good. Um, all right. So it pains me to leave such a rich subject, but we, we talked about investing in productive assets. Anything else on that topic before we, we move on to the next item on your list? Keep going. Okay. Um, all right. So, well, so what's something else that you would consider somebody do? So they've, they're, 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 you know, viewers here have made the notes. Okay. I'm going to start looking into some of these. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call a new CPA. I'm going to talk to them about productive assets. I'm going to start looking around for something I can do in this calendar, this tax calendar year. What else would be on your list? Well, so, so you and I have, um, we, we've been around the investing world and seen a lot of successful investors and seen a lot of less than successful investors, shall mm -hmm. I say. And I have found that the most successful investors have, they all have one thing in common. And it's that it's one thing. You know, you think about Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Um, they don't do, they don't go chasing returns. They go, okay, here's my strategy. This is exactly how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it the same thing all the time. I, The way I look at it is an, a professional investor, uh, an amateur investor makes a new decision every time they invest money. But a professional investor makes a single decision and just applies that over and over. If you look at somebody like Warren Buffett, he's looking at the same thing, the same criteria for every company he looks at. He's always looking for the same thing. He doesn't vary. Yeah, they may be different industries even, but he doesn't change his criteria for investing. That's what makes him so successful. He has really successful criteria. He does really good due diligence. And then he goes out and, and finds it. And they have to have a good team on top of that. So, what, you know, one of the first things I'd be doing is I'd be getting a lot of education right now. Um, I, I think it's 
true, and you can speak better to this than I can, um, Adam, that uh, the real estate market is a little bit in flux right now. It seems like sellers who need to sell are holding on, hoping that mm -hmm. interest rates are going to come down and that somehow uh, cap rates won't skyrocket and uh, they'll be able to actually make money on their real estate instead of having to give it back to the bank. Um, and then there are buyers who are going, well, wait a minute, and my interest rate is higher than my cap rate. Therefore, I can't, I, I don't have the cash. So I, I, you know, you wouldn't buy it except for cash. Right. And so you've got this, this disconnect. Well, but to me, that's the opportunity because it means that you've got some time. It's not, I don't have to be ready to invest tomorrow. And remember that the investment just has to happen by the end of the year. So what I'd be doing for the next six months is besides getting my team around me, like my financial advisor, my tax advisor, I'd be getting the, edu the education so that I know what is that one thing I want to do? What is What criteria do I want to use? Um, because it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, I've tried everything, honestly. I had my Series 7 securities license for about two weeks. Um, <laughs> said, that's not for me. Um, I've done real estate, not really my thing. I mean, I invest in real estate really um, more because I do the tax side of it. And so I want to understand it. Um, I have stock investments for the same reason. I have energy investments for the same reason, but those are not my, my primary investments or business because that's the asset class that I choose to invest in. And, um, and so that's where my money, that's where all my focus, almost all of my focus and my, my um, energy goes. So I'm just saying that getting the education right now, this is a prime time for people to get educated, whether it's reading books, whether it's joining a mastermind group, whether it's getting the right advisors. Um, I Certainly your show, Adam, is phenomenal and definitely go back to prior episodes and look at, you know, the different, the, the different topics. Um, but I would, I really believe that now is the, uh, just a prime opportunity to be educated so that by the time the really good bargains come up, you're ready. Okay, great. And, and just to sort of add on to that, um, you know, Tom, I've, I've read enough of your work to know that, um, you know, in your study of people who have been successful wealth builders, you, you've got the adage, um, your, your niche will make you rich, right? Which is focus on the, the thing that you're good on. You said yours is, is business, right? Um, uh, Stan Druckenmiller, I just talked about this last week, but he he basically gave a couple of warnings about the economy, but he said there, there are no fat pitches that he can see right now. And that's emblematic of how he invests is he just says, like Buffett, I just sit there waiting, but I only swing when there's a fat pitch, a pitch that just completely meets my criteria. And the fact that he's not seeing many that do right now is a sign of the times. Um, but in terms of getting smart in, in a niche, whatever it is, right, whether it's real estate, whether it's energy, whether whatever, you know, if it's, if it's in some of these productive assets that have favorable tax treatment, like you're saying, um, yes, you know, you should watch online videos, uh, you should read books, um, join masterminds, like you said. Um, there are no, one of the great things about the new era we're in is there are lots of people out there who are analysts who are putting their work out there that you can subscribe to. And so if you're really into commodities, there's lots of great people that write, you know, newsletters about specific commodity commodities and you know the deals that they see in that space. Uh, same thing in real estate. You and I have been to many of the same real estate conferences. Um, so part of it really is, I think, kind of like picking your mentors 
at this point in time. The people who have done this many, many times, who once you've got kind of your foundational knowledge by you know reading books and what you can gather online, can help you really start putting the theoretical into practice um, by kind of looking over their shoulder, meeting their network and connecting you with maybe some of these deals. Because that's the hardest thing really is if you're looking to buy into deals like a real estate investor or buy oil and gas wells or whatever, it's deal flow for the individual investor, right? It's finding it's finding these deals and then finding deals that already haven't been passed on by the the, the, the smarter, wiser investors. So you're kind of getting like the sloppy seconds and thirds. Right. And, um, you know, uh, you know, to go to your baseball analogy, just because you're not getting a lot of fat pitches doesn't mean you don't take batting practice, right? Right. So you want to be ready for those pitches so that you, you know, you're not missing those fastballs down the middle, right? You want to make sure that you're, you're ready to hit those um, uh, out of the park. So um, I think that's uh, part of it, but I do think that um, really getting a handle on um, what works for you. I, I don't think the same thing works for everybody. Uh, you know, I know, I know my, um, my wife's father was a brilliant stock investor. He made millions in the stock market. Um, I know people uh, that have made millions in real estate, um, but I know just as many people who've lost money in stock market and lost money in real estate. So um, that that's to me why getting that education becomes uh, so crucial um, so that you can you really be ready for it. Okay. And I'm just going to restate the obvious before we move on to the next item on your list, which is to build expertise that comes from experience, right? It comes from getting in the game, making mistakes, learning from the school of hard knocks, you know, all that type of stuff. And that requires time. And, and one of the key things I hear you saying right now is, is you've got time, particularly in a few of these asset classes like real estate, which is kind of frozen right now. Like you're, you're, right. You're, you're right, right? There kind of is this standoff between buyers and sellers. So there probably aren't going to be, there probably isn't going to be a lot of deal flow in the next couple of months. So, you know, if you're choosing to invest in that space, great, get everything lined up so that if and when things start to thaw, you're already prepared to to move both from a a sense of what you want to do, plus you've got everything else lined up. You've got your team, you've got your financing pre-approved, all that type of stuff, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, um, so what else is on your list? I mean, I, I've got a couple of other things that me as a total tax idiot, you know, but like estate and gift planning is just part of an overall tax strategy. Well, is that so, something you should be having so, a conversation well, so, on? Well, for sure. So here's, here's something to consider. Um, we have a presidential election next year which means we also have a congressional election, mm -hmm. um, both the House and the Senate. And a lot of seats are up uh, for grabs. All the seats are up for grabs, of course, in the House. And a lot of seats are up for grabs in the Senate. Um, we could see a sea change or we could actually see a double down on where we're going right now. So that has a major impact and here's why. So we have this huge estate tax ex exclusion right now. It's like, $12.5 million per person, huge. Um, it's scheduled to go down to 6 million. And so if nothing happens, it drops in half. And when, next year or? Over no, no, this schedule? is in um, 2026, I believe. The end of, I, I believe it's 2026. Okay. Um, it, so you've got a couple of years, but remember, um, if the current party um, gets a bigger majority, 
and presidency, which is just as likely as not, um, then they could easily just say, you know what, we're going to decrease that exclusion. We're going to do it now. 2025 is going to be a major, uh, I think, unless there's a split between the how the parties, okay, 2025 is going to be a major, we're going to have a major tax bill. Um, and it's either going to be a major tax increase or a major tax decrease, but something or other is going to happen. Um, we, we just don't know which one. So here's the thing. So now we've got some time. We've got time to get things done under current law. And once we're done under current law, we don't even have to, we can get it all ready to go. So let's say you do all your estate planning, but you don't sign the documents because you know what? You go, I don't really want to do this if I don't have to, because there are some good income tax reasons not to. Um, but if I have to, I want to be able to pull the trigger. Well, here's what's going to happen. Once it looks like there's going to be something, say, by the end of the year, let's say it looks like there's going to be something by the end of 20, you've got to act by the end of 2025. Do you think there are going to be any estate planning attorneys that are going to have time for you? Probably not. So you've got to have it done beforehand. So why not do it now? Do it now. And then all you have to do is you go, okay, so if it looks like it's going to happen, that we're going to get that decrease, I'm going to sign it. I'm going to sign it right now. We're just going to put the date in today. We're going to sign it. It's all done. If it looks like it's not going to happen or it's even going to get better, then it just stays on the shelf. But, you know, that's the great thing about doing like a, a trusts and that kind of estate planning is you can wait to sign the papers until you need to sign the papers. You don't have to sign the papers right now, but you but it takes so long. It's about a six to nine month process, realistically, to do estate planning at a minimum, six to nine months. And that's assuming you've got attorney with time. Well, the attorneys have time right now, the estate planning attorneys. Um, you need to get your estate planning attorney. You need to get your tax advisor. You need to get them working together with you because understand that the estate planning attorneys only understand estate tax. They don't understand income tax. Mm -hmm. And your most accountants understand income tax, but they don't understand estate tax. So you've got to have that team working together. So I do think that estate planning, it, it is something I am pushing hard on my clients right now. Get it done. You don't have to sign it, but get it done. All right. Um, you know, this is just it stands in such stark sorry stark contrast to again what i consider to be the experience probably for most viewers here who you know the end of the year rolls around we grab the chew box of receipts uh and what we got in the mail you know from tax for tax documents we dump it all on the accountant and then we scramble to do whatever they say they need to get the return done and we sign the return and then then we're done we don't think about it for another year right you're really talking about this sort of multi-year plan, which yeah. totally makes sense, especially as you're you're putting these these big macro factors on our radars, like elections, like you know the the recent hiring of the new army of these auditors and things like that. Um, and and as I always tell both my kids, but but anyone who will listen, right? It's it's so much easier to tweak a plan and yep. iterate and optimize a plan than it is to, to, to have to plan from scratch, especially if you're reacting to something, right? So, you know, the things that you're putting on our radar here are pretty big. And, and to be real honest, folks, like, you know, you look at what's happened 
with uh, the you know the deficits um, over the past year, but you see what's driving it right now this year. A huge part of it is the increase in our debt service costs because interest rates have jumped so high so quickly, Tom. Right, and so it's just eating up tax receipts. Right, tax receipts aren't going up. In fact, they're actually going down. I believe the initial right. data for 2023 yeah. is showing. Right, so that gap is going to have to be filled at some point, unless the government wants to start cutting programs, which Tom, you and I know that is the last thing they're ever going to want to do. So, you know, doing whatever they can to raise taxes makes an awful lot of sense, right? That's probably the likely probability here. So getting out in front of that puck uh, and making sure that you're as least vulnerable to it as possible makes an absolute lot of sense, but you got to, you got to plan now. And I, I love your warning of like, look, you might actually be planning ahead and saying, okay, great. When this happens, I'm going to do X, but you've got to find out what the people you're going to be relying upon at that future date, what their capacity is going to be like. So yeah. your your point there about the tax uh, attorneys is a perfect one. They just might be overloaded at that point. So you might be ready, but they may not be. Yeah. Let, let me give you another one. So um, it is estimated that from 2020 to 2030, the number of CPAs will only increase by 7%. Okay, we'll consider how many businesses will expand during that time. Consider how many, it's a massive shortage of CPAs, massive shortage. So you go say, well, I'm going to go start, you know, I, okay, I've got this tax issue. I'm going to go find a CPA. Good luck with that. Here's what else you're going to find. Um, I think uh, professional fees, particularly for CPAs, are going to quadruple in the next few years, not, not increase 10 or 20%, quadruple, um, because there's just such, it's supply and demand. You want to talk about real inflation? Real inflation happens when you have a very limited supply and you have an enormous demand. Well, okay, so we're adding uh, complexity to the tax law. We're adding 87,000 auditors. So we're adding all these, all these burdens that really are gonna take, be taken up by CPAs, but we're actually decreasing the number of CPAs. So unless there's some kind of magic wand that somebody's gonna wave and say, poof, technology is gonna solve the professional service issue, which is not gonna happen in the next five years, we're gonna have, people are gonna find a really difficult time finding a competent CPA. On top of that, let me add that most CPAs are historians. And this is my big complaint about my own profession. Uh, it actually, I actually have read from the AICPA, do you know they changed their language, um, Adam? The, it used to say that the CPA should be the advocate for their client in tax matters. Now they changed it. The CPA may be an advocate. They no longer require it. Well, here's why. The reason is because CPAs don't have time to be an advocate. So again, you, you go, yeah, I, when that IRS audit comes, I'm going to go find a CPA that can handle an IRS audit. Well, consider that most CPAs have never even looked at an IRS audit, so they're not going to be able to handle it. So you've got an even narrower group of people who can handle an IRS audit or are trained to do so, what are you gonna do? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't love scare tactics. I just am scared, okay? So I personally, 
I, I just know that we're going to have a lot of IRS audits. I know that the IRS is going to take very aggressive positions and they're going to go after anybody with any kind of um, business. They're going to go after anybody with any kind of investments. They've already stated that. Here's the interesting thing. Um, everybody's okay when somebody else is getting audited or somebody else is getting taxed. They're just not okay when they do. But, you know, it's like there's this, there's this new tax that's being proposed. And I can't remember where it is. I think it's in um, Washington State where they're actually proposing a capital gains tax on top of an income tax for capital gains. So they're taxing capital gains twice. They're not giving any kind of tax benefit. They're capital ta actually taxing capital gains twice. And the reason they stated is 85% of people won't be affected. So as long as it's somebody, a tax on somebody else, I'm good with it. But what happens when it becomes a tax on you? All of a sudden it's, oh no. No, that can't be right. Well, guess what's going to happen? The reality is that the average business owner is going to have a much higher tax um, audit rate, much higher tax rate um, in the next three or four years than they have right now. Yeah, that's, uh, look, it's, it's, the, it's the hard truth. It hurts to hear, but I'm glad that we're hearing it because that means we can try to take some prescriptive action before all this happens. Um, uh, Tom, just tell me if this is, has any merit or not, but I, I do recall seeing headlines not that long ago about um, a proposal for taxing unrealized gains. Oh, yeah. Because is, 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 is there any credi credibility to that rumor? Um, it, 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 in my opinion, it would be unconstitutional um, because you'd have to define unrealized gains as income. And that's a really hard one to get through. So uh, the Supreme Court, it would that would go to the Supreme Court. Here's, here's part of the problem, though. Part of the problem is states and even the federal government have decided that they're okay enacting a law that is illegal um, to wait and see what the courts do, even though they believe it's illegal. Um, when, when, when Biden, for example announced the relief of the student loan debt. He said, well, we, we're, it's probably illegal to do this, but we're gonna do it anyway. We'll see what the court says. And you're going, what? You think it's illegal and you're okay enacting the law, but that is what's going on. So, you know, it's, a, it's just a whole different environment that we're in right now. And, and so unrealized gains, so what that means is, Let's say that you're, you've got a portfolio of stocks in the stock market. Let's say you bought, you bought Tesla. You were one of those unbelievably prescient people who bought Tesla at 400, right? When, when Elon Musk says, I'm going to take it private, is it 400? And now it's after splits and everything, basically it's, you know, four or five times that, right? So your unrealized gain might be $2,000 in a single share of stock. All right, well, what the government is saying, well, we're gonna tax that unrealized gain. Well, what is that? What would that do? It would, re, it would actually force you to sell the stock, which would tank the stock market, right? Because you'd have a massive fire sale if they were to do that. So from a practical standpoint, it's a terrible idea. From a constitutional standpoint, it's a terrible idea, but that does not prevent 
um, our, our our left coasts from doing, you know, proposing it. And that it, it has been proposed several times. It's effectively a wealth tax, which is illegal in this right. country. Um, but it, they believe they can argue it's an income tax and it's they're just redefining income. Well, and what's interesting there is is that will definitely destroy the incentive for people to invest in productive assets because those generally require a period of investment where you're you have negative cash flows until you start you know building up returns and and then hopefully at some point in the future it becomes a positive investment right um, and so you know along the way people aren't going to want to get once once it's in the gains mode uh, but they haven't recouped their investment yet people aren't going to want to get text on that stuff. It's just, it, it's too much uncertainty, too much uh, pain for them, to be honest. And so the government would have to be the one to step in to invest in the productive space. And, and maybe that's the mindset, right? We have this massive Inflation Reduction Act with these trillions of spending. Maybe that's the new world order. Who knows? But but I don't, I don't definitely... know. That, that there's never been a case in history where the government did something better than private industry. Um, yeah. Not even once. Okay. I mean, you know, people would argue, well, what about we sent, uh, the government sent people to the moon? Yeah, but look at what SpaceX is doing. And that could have happened, right? It's just that the government said, well, we're going to do it. And so nobody, no Elon Musk stepped up and said, no, I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, how does technology happen? How do advances happen? They happen from entrepreneurs. They happen from people who, who, who go in and do that. But here's the problem. Uh, in President Biden's budget this year, this is his current budget. If you had over a million dollars of capital gain, you would be taxed at um, 40%. Okay, well, think about this. You are a business owner. You've put, instead of putting your nest egg into the stock market, like employees do, you put your nest egg into your business. That's what most business owners do. And then instead of taking that money out a little bit of time, like employees do, right? They have those minimum distributions we were talking about. Mm -hmm. They have a sale, a one-time sale of their, of their business, and they sell it, say, for $5 million. Okay. Had they put that money in a IRA 401k and they saved it that way, they would be taxed at their lower rates. But based on this proposal, that $5 million would be, or at least $4 million of it would be taxed at 40%. So what that means is, is that you are absolutely discouraging anybody from starting a business um, and putting their 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 heart and soul into starting a business but it honestly it is consistent because if you look at the inflation reduction act which is um, this you know the uh, clean energy that was basically a nod to unions um, because if if you pay union wages you get a um, five times greater tax benefit than if you don't pay union wages. If you follow union rules, you get a five times greater tax benefit than if you don't follow union rules. So this was a nod to unions. It was very clearly a nod to unions, which really are about the employee. So, I mean, we used to call this communism, honestly. Um, that's what communism is, right? The, the, where the, the government controls the economy. That is communism by definition. And the employees um, are you know, in charge. Okay, well, we saw how well that worked in the Soviet Union. 
we historically have been completely anti that. And yet now it seems like we are drifting towards that. So I, I think it's a very scary time, Adam. Um, well, it is, and, and back to my point about um, uh, the deficits, um, you know, governments are, I've mentioned this many times, you know, when, when tax receipts start getting overwhelmed by costs, they start acting like a drowning man, right? Well, they'll, they'll just tax whatever they can to try to keep that tax revenue uh, coming in to keep the lights on, to keep the current programs going, because the absolute well, last or, thing or, a politician wants to do is to say, hey, we're cutting X. Well, or, or or they will do what the Democrats are talking about right now, which is, oh, we just need an absolute blank check to increase the debt ceiling. That, I mean, the, honestly, the administration just wants to print more money. Now, what's curious is the Federal Reserve is combating inflation and the and the, and the and the federal government is is increasing inflation. So you have I, I find this to be they're at, they're at odds with each other, right? You have one putting money into the economy, you have one money one one taking money out of the economy, and um, and and frankly, that's I don't I don't know how it can be looked at any other way. Now I agree. If you wanted to combat inflation, you'd raise taxes on the middle class seriously. And if you actually read. Um, the, the modern monetary theory uh, books, which I call my my wife and I call magic money theory. Mm -hmm. um, if you read those those treatises, um, then what you see is that they say, well, we can print as much money as we want to because when we start to see inflation, we'll just enact tax increases, which will take the money back out of the economy. But we've seen how well that's worked. They won't. The problem is they want to tax. The producers, which the people are investing, which are you know the wealthier people, they don't want to tax the people who are actually causing the inflation, which is the consumer, right? It's consumerism that, that causes inflation. It's not it's not investment. It's not producers that cause inflation. So what's going on is is they could easily stop they could stop inflation in a heartbeat. All they'd have to do is raise taxes on the middle class. It would stop almost overnight. But they're right. not or, or put in a consumption tax. Or put know, in consu like consumption tax would do it too. You know, well, the fact is our income tax is a consumption tax right now, but they could put in, say, a value-added tax, something right. like that, with which frankly, I would I'm, I'm I I it's probably heresy for me to say this, but I'm not opposed to that. Um, I just don't like it on top of the income tax. I would I think a consumption tax in lieu of would be great. I'm 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 there with you. Although I think that cracks open a discussion that that to do justice we should we should have on a, on a separate day. Um, all right. Well, look. Um, I, I'm I'm we're not beating a dead horse because this is a really important topic, and I think we're in many cases we're just scratching the surface of us. Tom, one more topic to have you back on to really dive into this in depth, and and I think a great topic would be. What would be a better set of tax policies? Oh yeah, if we if we as a populist wanted to advocate for change, um, but again, that's that that's another video. Um, the time has flown by here. I'm looking at the clock here. We're we're, we're running out. So I wanted there are a couple of wrap up questions I'd like to ask you here. Unless there's anything else really important about tax planning that we have yet to talk about. Uh, no, go for it. Okay, we'll leave it there. So, um, okay, so people who have watched this, I think if they've taken good notes, are thinking, okay, great. I need to make sure I've got a good. CPA and my team who's got audit uh, experience, um, I need to start planning ahead much more likely than most people have been used to. Um, Tom's given me some good ideas to explore here on things I should talk about with the CPA and, and homework that I should do. 
um, folks uh, probably should definitely get your books in general, uh, but get Tax-Free Wealth for Chapter 7 to help them go find the right type uh, of CAA uh, to find. Chapter 23. Of oh, tax sorry, Chapter 23. Sorry. Good, good clarification. So once they've done that, um, you know, I know you have your own firm that works with um, a certain type of person that might not fit everybody watching this, but maybe you could talk real briefly about the services you offer there. And then for folks that maybe not be a great fit for your firm, you still are plugged into a, a nationwide network of CPAs who sort of follow your model, right? So, so if someone isn't a perfect fit for your sort of top tier firm, there are many other sort of like-minded CPAs you could connect them with. Do I have it right? Well, yeah. Well, let me go a step beyond that. So right. first of all, we the, it's our network and we run that network. So it's not one that we're plugged into. They are plugged into us, um, which is important because it means that we are literally training them um, every month. And, and really right now we're training them twice a month, every single month. Um, so they get, uh, we make sure they have training, but it's not just training. Here's the challenge with, um, you know, thinking about my CPA is going to handle this is that if they're by themselves or even they have a firm of say, you know, 10 or 12 people, they're limited to those 10 or 12 people. Really? That's what you, that you're comfortable with that. So what we did was we built a network that has a system. They, we developed a system um, for reducing taxes, a system for handling tax, for handling audits. We have systems and those systems, they get to use our systems with people who come through our, our, who come through our program. Um, that's when they get to use our systems. So they get a system, but they also get connection with each other. So we have over 60 CPA firms. And so you're talking about rather than having access to five or 10 people, you've got access to hundreds of really smart CPAs who might have specialties. For example, I'm not a specialist in international tax, but we have CPAs in the network who are. Um, I, you know, I'm not a specialist in, um, let's say, you know, you got some investment in Germany. Well, we, we've got, we can get you a, a referral into Germany. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the goal is, is let's, it is a network. And uh, so we are networking with each other. And that's that's what we call the Wealth Ability Network. And um, it's it's very important, I think, that um, that you have a, uh, you don't just have a CPA, that you actually have a CPA that's part of a network, part of a system, um, but that will serve you uh, very personally. Okay, so I'm gonna make this really like actionable for folks. So if somebody is um, looking for a CPA, and um, maybe hopefully they've read chapter 23 of your book, but they're they're having trouble finding a good one around them. If they reach out to you, yep. you you can help direct them, correct? We, 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 we will take care of you. We'll actually let you know whether our network's a good fit. And then we'll actually let you know which one of our firms is the best fit for you. Because we know our firms. We know what their capabilities are. They range from taking people who are brand new, have been using TurboTax, and they don't want to use TurboTax anymore or or HR Block or whatever. They don't want to do that. Um, so they want to upgrade. Okay. So we go from there all the way to the most sophisticated investors, which would be my firm, um, which handles very, very um, wealthy entrepreneurs. And so we, we just have that, that broad range. Um, but they're all following our system. They're all following, you know, our training. And so they're all going to be, they're all going to do a good job for you. All right, great, Tom. So let, let me just make sure I'm recapping this correctly for folks. Um, you have an intake process 
Um, you talk to people and they come in and say, what are you looking for? What are your needs? What are your goals? What's your situation? And either, hey, great, you might be a fit for, for your specific firm, Tom. And if so, you can talk more about them, uh, about that opportunity. Or say, well, you're not a great fit for us, but we've got CPAs in our network that are a much better fit for your needs. We'll make that introduction for you and connect you with them. True? Absolutely. All right. So folks, if, if that's of interest to you, if you've looked around, you can't find the type of CA you're looking for, CPA you're looking for, you want a CPA who is trained in Tom's uh, method here that is outlined for us in this video, uh, just go to wealthion.com slash wealth ability and uh, click on the link there and you get into that intake process and you can have a conversation with Tom's firm and, and see what happens from there. Um, all right, Tom, um, in addition to folks reaching out to you directly, uh, I suppose your books as well. Where can people uh, follow you, find out more about you and your work? Um, I'm all over social media. Um, on top of that, I have two podcasts. Uh, one is the Wealthability Show and the other is the Wealthability Show for CPAs. So um, I would add to that, um, if you like your CPA, but you feel like they need training, send your CPA to us at that same uh, web link. Okay, go the same place and just have you just get your CPA involved with us because we'll we're happy to train your CPA. Um, if if you really like them, you say, well, I think they're really good. I think they'd learn. I think they'd love this. That's where most of our members have come from. Most of our CPA members have come from clients who just said, look, I need you to learn what Tom's been doing, and so you can You know, I need you to join uh, the wealth the wealthability network. So the same place that they would come to get a new CPA is the same place they would send their CPA. All right, great folks. And as Tom has said multiple times when he's appeared on this channel and he said in this interview as well, uh, what you wanna do is create a recruit, a great team, right? To help you across the full spectrum of your financial needs. Uh, a key CPA is totally core to that. Uh, Tom mentioned a few others, you know, a good estate uh, planning attorney, et cetera good insurance provider, um, but obviously a good financial planner who is charting, sure. you know, all your, your, your financial assets in accordance with the tax strategy that you're putting together, um, as well as with all the other members of your team are doing. Um, if you have a good one who's already doing that for you, great, stick with them. But if you don't, uh, consider scheduling a free consultation to talk to one of the firms that Wealthion endorses. To go do that, just go to Wealthion.com fill out the short form there, only takes a couple of seconds. These consultations are totally free. They don't cost you anything. There's no commitment to working with these guys. It's just a public service they offer to help people get prudently positioned. All right, with that, uh, Tom, it's been great. Folks, if you've enjoyed this conversation and would like to see Tom come back on to have those additional discussions that we identified in this conversation, do us both a favor and support this channel by hitting the like button, then clicking on the red subscribe button below as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Uh, Tom, yet another great conversation with you. Thanks for giving us so much time and expertise. Uh, always a pleasure, Adam. I, I love what you're doing. Love the education you're providing. Love You always do such great interviews. Thank you. Well, it, that's because we have great people like you who want to come on and a huge fan of what you and the WealthAbility team are doing. It's a total... Totally differentiated from almost any other sort of tax service I've seen. Um, just way, way more, uh, you know, better to the upside uh, than just the standard solutions that are out there. So thank you for doing that. Uh, everyone else, thanks so much for hanging with us. We'll see you next time.